The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we began posting a series of messages that I preached back in 2020 about the problem of evil in the world. You may recall that we said that the biggest objection the atheist has to the existence of God is the fact that there is evil in the world. The objection goes something like this. If God is all-powerful and all-good, then why does he not eliminate evil? Why is there still evil in the world? Now, certainly many philosophers have looked at this question, but we don't examine this question from a philosophical standpoint as Christians. We look at it from a scriptural standpoint. And yesterday, we left off where we were talking about the creation and how God created everything very good. This morning, we're going to go back and pick up a little bit of yesterday's sermon in order to get the proper context and then proceed to look at the question of evil as it exists in the world from a scriptural perspective. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. I know that I
God created this world not just good, but very good. And to demonstrate that, he tells us some things about it on the fifth and sixth days. Look at verse 20 of Genesis chapter 1. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. I, Seth and I like to watch that, some of those David Attenborough documentaries, Blue Planet and others. Like I've been watching Blue Planet. Uh, oh, I actually watched it two or three times. And there, it is unreal, especially that South Pacific uh, episode where it shows the vastness of the Pacific Ocean and you'll be watching that and right in the middle of it some humpback whale will break the waters open and it'll uh, it's, it's, its spout will, will blow out the air and the water and it's just majestic and beautiful and, and can you imagine on the day of creation how wonderful those kinds of things would have been to see. He's saying that's what he's doing here and he looked out and God said it's good. And God told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let fowl multiply on the earth. And that's the fifth day. You don't see any problems here, do you? God didn't say, uh, go out and kill one another in order to eat and live and grow. He said, y'all, be fruitful and multiply. This is before man now. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters. There's room for everybody. It's good, you see. And then in, in verse 24, he said, God said, let the earth, this is on the sixth day now, let the earth bring forth a living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then he goes on to make man. And by the way, he says, let us make man in our image. Did you understand the Trinity's being taught us from the very beginning book of the Bible, from the opening credits, from the opening credits, we're being taught that God is, a, is, is one God manifest in three persons. Now I want you to look at something else here. See, here's what I want you to understand. There was perfect harmony in the garden. Man is created here on the heels of all these other created beings. All these other living things. And yet there was perfect harmony with the animal world, for example. Skip over to <clears throat> chapter 2 and look down at verse 18. Look what happened here. The Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So he's looking out and saying, man needs a partner. But notice what he did. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Now this is, by the way, not a conflict. This is an elaboration on the other. Um, this is God referring back to what he'd already done. But notice what he did. He brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And notice what it doesn't say. The Trinity, the Godhead, didn't look to each other and say, Okay, let's build Adam a little cage over here where these tigers, when they come by, won't slash him with their claws. Let's, let's make sure we put him up in a tree over here where, where the elephants won't trample him. 
Let's make sure we put him in a, in a shark cage down in the water so that the sharks won't eat him up. You notice what? You notice, you know why he didn't say that? Because he didn't have to. There was perfect harmony. Notice back, I, I skipped this. I should have read it in Genesis 1 back in verse, uh, uh, verse 26. It said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Not in the last two or three decades, probably before that, but now that we have television and these documentaries, we're able to really delve into the foolishness of men, okay? So over the last two or three decades, there have been, at different times, there have been men, and I think one woman, who decided that they could live with, with the predators of nature. Uh, there was a man called, and I think the documentary about him was called Grizzly Man, and he had decided that he could go up into the wilds of Alaska and he could live among those ravenous, carnivorous bears, big brown, grizzly bear, big brown bears and grizzly bears and all these kinds of bears that are, that are by nature meat eaters. And by the way, you know that in nature we are meat, right? <laughs> so uh, by nature, these are carnivorous uh, man-eaters, potentially, if we put ourselves in the, in the way of them. And this man decided, I can, they, they just are misunderstood. I just need to go out and, and be with them. And people, they're not, they're not all that bad. Well, I don't have to tell you how the story ended. And I think you probably know already, but let me just say that it's a horrible. I've heard parts of the, of the audio. They actually got on audio right before he was to be evacuated out of there where a bear comes around, and guess what? This meat-eating bear ate him. Now, I get the desire to be around those magnificent creatures. I would love nothing better than to go up during the salmon run and get up there in, in, in Alaska and, and wade out into those rivers and, and go up and hug one of those bears that's trying to slap the salmon out of the, out of the water. But the reason I don't do that is because I'm afraid I would probably begin to look like a salmon to that bear. And the next thing you know, I would be a, a, a bear meal, you see, because that's not the way we can do it today. But in Adam's day, when the grizzly bear came by, it's very possible that as he was viewing this magnificent creature, as God brought him before him, as he was viewing this magnificent creature, preparing to name this thing, that he could reach out and scratch his ear or the back of his head. Can you imagine the glory of that? We got this little kitten now. Brother Bob, don't think less of me. <clears throat> we got this little kitten now that's in the house and and the kitten is taken up with me for some reason I don't know why he's taken up with me and when he was little especially he'd get up on my chest and he'd go to sleep and he just you know he's so sweet you know that little kitten and he's growing up a little bit now this kitten's so sweet you know but let me remind you something about a cat a cat is a predator a cat has claws okay and so this little sweet cat even, you know, the cat's not going to eat me up. You know, I, I can take care of that cat. But this little sweet, precious cat will be laying there on my chest sometimes, you know, and I think he's asleep. And suddenly you can see some of the scratches on my hand. And, ah, he starts scratching my hand and biting on me and all this. He's a predator, you see. 
He's a predator. Now, I'm sure the cats in Adam's day, uh, all they wanted to do was purr and crawl around on him. I don't know exactly what you know, they did, but I'll tell you this. In Adam's day, he could do that with a tiger. He could do that with a lion. He could have that kind of relationship with them. What a glorious thing. See, there was perfect harmony in that day with the animal world. There was perfect harmony in the creation, in the beginning of the creation, with the natural world. With the natural world. Um, look in, in chapter 2 again of Genesis in verse, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. I always, I always think about Brother Oliver when I think about the Garden of Eden. But I've seen Brother Oliver so many hours spent and days spent out uh, in that garden, tilling that ground, uh, preparing that ground, having to, having to put the seed in, having to grow. You know, you know what happened in the Garden of Eden? God tilled the ground. God planted the seed. God made it all happen for Adam's sake. You know how it is once you plant a garden, you can't leave it. Because the thistles and the thorns grow up. But guess what? Until Adam's fall, there were no thistles and no thorns. Adam had the perfect garden, the perfect place there. He was in, in perfect harmony. You know, <laughs> verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Where in the world is Adam going to get his food? And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Now I'm going to stop there. You know there's more to it. But listen to this. Adam didn't have to build a spear or a bow and arrow and go out and chase a gazelle down or go hunt a deer down and then kill it and, 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 uh, uh, and, and dress it and cure it and cook it. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to eat. There was no death at this point in, 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 in Adam's life. Adam had all of the trees. Can you imagine? <laughs> I've always been fascinated by orange trees you know you go down to florida and used to see those orange groves we can't grow those around here but adam could I, mean, I don't know if they were exactly the same then as they are now but let me tell you can you imagine walking out your back door and saying i think i'll eat some oranges for lunch and then for supper i'm gonna eat some apples you know we always have trouble growing apple trees daddy always tried to have an orchard never could get it to grow right you know he always struggled with that but every tree every tree he was able to get something to eat and nourish himself off of it. He was in perfect harmony with the natural world. You know what Adam didn't have to worry about doing? He didn't have to worry about walking around barefoot. I mean, if y'all, you know, when I was younger, my, my feet were much tougher, but I hadn't gone barefoot in, you know, decades, I guess. <clears throat> and... Not too long ago, I, was, I went outside to get something, and I realized I was getting it out of my truck. My truck was parked across the gravel driveway. So I thought, well, I'll just walk across the grass. And it was, you know, just be a little bit of, little bit of gravel to go across, because y'all would, would laugh if you saw me ooh, 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 getting around like that. 
Well, I got out in the, I got out in the beautiful, lush, centipede grass that we have in our yard. You know, that stuff, it feels so soft and so nice. And it is great till you get into a patch of thistles or stickers, I call them. You get out there, apparently those things are invading our part of the country. And I look like a man walking on hot coals, I'm sure, because I was, oh, oh, oh. You know, next time I got back, my feet were hurting so bad. Adam didn't have to worry about that. Adam didn't have to worry. He could walk anywhere. He, was, he didn't have any clothes. He certainly didn't have any shoes. He had no need for them. He could go where he wanted to go. He didn't have to go out and say, Eve, I've I got to go plow this garden. Those weeds are coming up. No. He could just go out there to the okra patch, and there there's the beautiful, most beautiful okra you've ever seen. He could go out to the pea patch and... I don't know if deers ate, deer ate peas back then. I bet they didn't because it, it would have been kind of frustrating. Or maybe they just were enough peas to go around, you know. Whatever it was, he had all he could ever want. He was in perfect harmony with the natural world. And more importantly than that, oh my goodness, we're not going to have time to finish. <laughs> more importantly than that, he was in perfect harmony with the spiritual world. Now listen, uh, remember what I read to you and. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, okay, and put him in the garden. You know what that implies? That implies that God was speaking and dealing with Adam face to face. Look at verse 18. It's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a help meet for him. And he formed all these beasts. Uh, he took these beasts of the field that he had formed and he brought them before Adam. It's as if God and Adam were friends. You know, sometimes today we tend to be too friendly with God, I'm afraid. It's like, it's like somewhere, you, some places you hear him preach, it's like he's your buddy that, that lives off somewhere. You know, God's not our buddy that lives off somewhere. He's our God that provides for us, you see. There's a big difference. Now, now we have a close relationship with him, but it's different than the relationship Adam had with him. Adam and God could talk face to face. Even over in Genesis, the third chapter, after Adam had eaten of the fruit, it says in verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. You know why they hid themselves? Because if they hadn't, they would have been face to face with God. Because God, God was talking to him. God was dealing with him. As I said, they were, he was still God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not elevating Adam to the level of God. But there was, this, there was nothing between them in the garden. They were in perfect harmony with the spiritual world. world. Fast forward to Exodus chapter 33. You don't have to turn there, but sometime go read it. Moses said, God, I want to see you in your glory. And you know what God told him? He said, he said that... Uh, there's, he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Now, you know what he did? He carved out a cleft in the rock and hid him there as his front side passed by, and he allowed him to see his hinder parts, his backside. He got to see the backside of God's glory. And even that was nearly too much for him. His face shone with, with a glory that he had to cover it up because the people that he went down to talk to, the, the, the Israelites, couldn't stand to look at him. He was, so, he was so glorified in that sense. But in that day, there was perfect harmony with the spiritual world. See, and here's, here's we're going to have to bring this to a close, and hopefully, Lord willing, we'll try to finish this up tonight. But here's, here's the bottom line about Adam. Adam was created in the image 
of God. Now that alone tells us that there was something special about Adam that is not so special about us anymore. Adam, Adam had a free will. You know, we hear a lot about free will today, right? In fact, most people would say that, oh, man today has the free will, has the freedom to choose whether he wants to go to heaven, whether he wants to have a relationship with God or not. But, beloved, I, I say to you, on the authority of the Word of God, the only man who ever lived who had freedom, true freedom of the will, was a man named Adam. Adam was told, notice what it said in verse, going back to chapter 2, in verse 15, the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, if Adam did not have a free will in th at this point in his relationship with God, then that should have read, uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou will not eat of it. <laughs> you won't eat of it because I won't let you, you see. If, if he didn't have a free, free will, God wouldn't have forbid him from doing it. See here, God says to him, you're not going to, I don't want you to eat of this. Adam had a free will at that point. But guess what? We'll talk about this maybe tonight. The fall of Adam brought some changes to this perfect world. The fall of Adam brought some corruption to this perfect world. Adam, as created, would not have been in the image of God had he not had this free will. Isn't that one of the primary characteristics of God? God can choose to do what he wants to do. Now, Adam wasn't all-powerful, but he was free. He had the ability to obey God, and he had the ability to not obey God. But notice what happened. You know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey says. Adam chose freely to disobey God. And you know what happened? That free will that Adam had became enslaved to the nature that he brought upon all of his posterity. See, in very real sense, we still have free will. We have the, the freedom to do as our nature demands. You know what Jesus said about those Pharisees? And it's true of us in nature. Ye will not come unto me that ye might have eternal life. You know what that means? Not coming to Jesus is a choice that we freely make. And I'm sorry to say, sometimes I make it on a daily basis. But here's the problem. You say, well, why don't you just come to him then? He says, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Nobody is going to hell against their will. <laughs> that will is, we're freely headed in that direction. But I'll tell you this, beloved. See, freedom of the will was corrupted in the garden. And man no longer became free to do that which was pleasing to God because he's bound now by the dead nature that Adam brought upon us. It was corrupted. That free will was corrupted at the fall. But guess what? True freedom of the will is restored 
at the new birth. I'm not saying you have the ability to get to make choices to get yourself born again. That's all in the hands of God. In fact, what Adam did is he consigned us uh, it, without the intervention of God. He consigned us all to hell because the freedom of our will is bound by the nature. We're free to act within our nature. But oh, when Adam sinned, our nature fell. <laughs> and the only nature we have is the carnal nature. But praise God, when Jesus came, when Jesus took on him uh, the likeness of Abraham, when he became man, he became flesh and dwelt among us, and he died for us on the cross, through his sacrifice, his children, once they're born again, their freedom of will is restored. And you and I can choose to serve God, or we can choose to serve, serve the flesh. Now, that wasn't all of my message this morning, but our time's gone. But let me just say this. The issue that we're dealing with is the problem of evil in the world. Where did evil come from? We've established, I think, this morning that evil did not come from God. There was no natural disasters that Adam had to worry. There weren't any volcanoes in the Garden of Eden. There weren't any earthquakes. There weren't any tsunamis. No hurricane came through and devastated the garden and uprooted the trees. Everything was good. And in fact, when Adam came on the scene, there was no sin. There was no sin nature. There was nothing but perfect harmony with God, and God called it very good. So what about evil? Where does it come from? Well, you're going to have to stay tuned. I appreciate your kind attention. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.